So I have a question for you. Why do we love fiction so much? Well, I'm going to answer that for you today. This is your host, Jamie Buckley, and this is Life of Fiction, episode 14. That's something that I've been pondering about lately. Why do we love fiction so much? And I think, you know, depending upon who you ask, you're going to have a lot of different answers. We're all different. We have different motivations. We have different life experiences. But I wanted to take this from the perspective of growing up myself and kind of show you where my passion for fiction has come from. I think the things that I've learned that I've experienced as a writer, as an artist, I've come to roughly 10, 9, 10 things that I think are very common with those who love fiction, whether that's fantasy or, or science fiction or mysteries, just fictional writing or fictional stories and how they're told. Now, growing up, my mom was the center of the influence in our house, and we had books everywhere. So reading was always encouraged. Um, one of the things that I remember about my mom the most is every single year she would read The Hobbit to us, me and my siblings. And what was fabulous about that is we had this, um, my dad had come home from a business trip and he had purchased this rare, I, I actually don't know where he got it, but the, it's a big I had a limited edition, I guess, of The Hobbit, and it had the uh, paintings. You, in some of the pages, you could open them up, and they would fold out three or even four times, and they have these landscape, these paintings inside the book. Actually, that got either ruined or lost when we moved as adults, and my baby sister, for my 50th birthday, um, flew out from Missouri to my birthday party and her present to me was the an exact replica one of these copies that I am now reading to my children every year at bedtime which I absolutely love so that was one of the fond memories of fiction in my home my mom was a huge fan of dune uh, she read all the dune books she had like seven copies of all the dune books uh, when she passed away, I got a I got a set of those. But mom was the central influence in our home, and books were just everywhere. We were always encouraged to be readers, me and all my siblings. My dad, on the other other hand, I mean, even though my dad was a big reader, uh, he was working most of the time. When he came home, he would want to relax and spend time with us, usually, you know, in front of a show or to have a conversation. Um, so my dad was kind of the movie and the show junkie. So growing up when I was younger, it was always Sundays was Mutual of Omaha, Wild Kingdom, and Disney. I remember Winnie the Pooh. That was my first real true love of an animation of a story on television with Disney, Disney which you know, I can't stand now. But I remember... Uh, another big movie that affected me as a child was Bedknobs and Broomsticks. That merging between real life and animation just blew my mind as a kid. I remember that uh, Star Wars 
we were actually, my mother, my father, and I, when I was eight years old, we went to the very first showing of Star Wars in a theater in the United States. I think I could be wrong, but I think in the world, it was the very first showing, and my life changed ever after. It was amazing. There were lines outside that theater that went as long as a mile, just wrapping around the blocks. Let's see, Star Trek. Star Trek was a big one with my dad and I. Uh, I grew up watching Star Trek, um, including the uh, reruns, the black and white, because I'm, I'm 54. I was born in 1969. But I remember my father saying, hey, there's a new, a new Star Trek TV show. I just want to, I want to watch this with you. And this is when I was, you know, quite a bit older, but the new generation that became mine and my dad's show. And I loved that story. But I will tell you this. I have a favorite movie, a favorite fictional movie, and it is the best to me. I, I'm not going to have an argument with anybody because you'll lose. The very best movie of any genre in the history of movie making, I, is, I love it more than anything else, and that is Willy Wonka and the Chocolate Factory. No, not the Johnny Depp crap. I hate that movie. I'm talking about the 1971 with Gene Wilder. There is no movie that has affected me more deeply, profoundly, or longer. I cannot tell you how many times I've watched that movie. I literally don't know it's been so many. It's definitely been hundreds. But I love that movie. My children love that movie. And I will allow that movie to play in my house at any time on any day. I love that story it's the perfect story to me. So that was my experience with my dad. So my mom was about books. My dad was about movies and TV shows. And then there was a, a third a third tier or leg, a third experience I remember growing up that was so profound about storytelling. And that was when I was eight years old, we had some neighbors and their names were the Hoops. Such a delightful family and unique and they had one son, and he was my friend, and he taught me this game called Dungeons and Dragons. Uh -huh. Okay, so I'm eight years old. I think he was nine, either nine or ten. Anyway, and he introduced me to Dungeons and Dragons, and that was back in the day of the Gary Gyax age or era. Okay, but not only did he introduce me to Dungeons and Dragons or role-playing games, he also introduced me to comic books, and I mean a lot of comic books. And so there were things like I got into Captain America and you know Superman and Spider-Man and Batman and the Avengers and uh, X-Men. I was a huge fan of the X-Men. And at one point in my adult life, right after I had my wife and I got married, there was a point by the time my second child was born my son I think I had every single X-Men comic all the way back to I believe was issue number four was the first one I ever had so four to whatever it was in that time and I can't remember hundreds or a hundred at least um, I had every single issue of the X-Men and I was a big fan of Wolverine and Colossus I always thought gosh if I could be anybody or a combination of powers I'd like to have a body, you know, the strength and the 
biological armor like Colossus, uh, but I'd like to have it made out of adamantium <laughs> and to have claws like Wolverine. That'd be perfect. And if you wanted to really, you know, go crazy, then, you know, add on the uh, the teleportation ability of Nightcrawler and you'd have a perfect superhero. Anyway, so those things, those were the three areas, the, the books with my mom and the, the movies and the TV shows with my dad and with Brian Hoops. Growing up, I had this well-rounded, okay, maybe not well-rounded, but I had a very specific set of experiences that molded my passion and desire for fiction and for storytelling. And here's the thing. This is, this is what I've learned and learned in that process. I learned that it, first of all, it entertained me. And so, you know, I was being immersed in different worlds, in situations and experiences. It provided an escape from stress challenges the monotony of life, which really as a child, I didn't have so much monotony as, as I did problems and stress and challenges, you know, peer pressure and bullies beating up on me, getting your homework done, being chased and being torn up by the neighbor's dog. That happened. Okay. It helped me to connect emotionally. Now think about that. How many times have you read a story that the care, the characters you bonded through their struggles and their triumphs? You know, it, it, it becomes a motivator not only to read more, but also to to act upon things in your life and and to meet these challenges head on. It taught me about being being a human being. It taught me about human nature, the behavior, how relationships work, the different scenarios and these stories and comics were intellectually stimulating and satisfying to me. When they are well written, it brings me back more and more and more seeking those types of stories. And it expands my world and expands my perceptions and understanding. It helped me develop my imagination and creativity. Because I would envision these new worlds, these characters, and these scenarios. I got to, you know, here's something. Here's something that's a little bit different. I love Lord of the Rings. I love the books. I love the movies. Do you know what I preferred as a child? It wasn't the books. Now, they didn't have the movies. They had the cartoons when I was younger. But I preferred the bestiaries. I preferred those books with the the various artwork in it and listing so I could look up a god or a creature or a character or a place and have these pictures and these descriptions it, it just filled my mind with the possibilities of what could be created. And I was always excited to see what was already created. So that's helping me develop my imagination and my creativity. But I also learned life lessons and empathy for others. Because when you read a really good story, a good book, you gain new perspectives. You get to experience sometimes some pretty bizarre, tragic, or scary things in the safety of your own brain, in the safety of your own home. And this allows us oftentimes to see a bigger world. You know, one of the, the best scenes, and I'll, I'll bring this out in a movie because I think you, maybe you've seen this. So if you've watched the Lord of the Ring movies, there's a particular point that hit me hard as a grown-up and as a father. And it's the point where 
uh, Sam and Frodo are with Gollum. And Gollum is going after some food in a river. He found a fish and he's flopping down this stream trying to catch that fish that's slipping out of his grip. And Sam yells after him and says, don't go wandering off, stinker. And Frodo turns and looks at him and says, why do you do that? Why do you pick on him and, and, and drill him like that? And Sam's like, you know there's nothing left in him but evil. There's no hope for him. And that's the part that got me personally. When Frodo turns around and says, you don't know that. You don't know what he's been going through. And the point with Frodo is he's having to bear the weight of the ring. He's having to go through a version of what Gollum did. He sees the result of the life that Gollum has lived and how broken he is, how lost he is. And he's going through that currently. And I can see that Frodo is trying to figure out if there's no hope for Gollum, then how do I know that there's any hope for for me? And that's what I feel oftentimes in books. I, there are things that I've experienced and things that I've done and things that I've had done to me. And I wonder, even though I'm striving with all my might as a human being to be a decent guy, to try to be a good husband and a good father, I'm not always good at it. And so I keep wondering if there's hope from time to time when life and the world get really, really bad. And we can convey those things in stories and we get those things from stories. And so I appreciate that, seeing that bigger world and developing empathy for other people. You know, one of those ways that it crosses over into real life. I used to travel for work and I traveled across the United States. And there used to be a saying in the community and and at my church, people knew me as the guy that always said, you know, the gospel of Jesus Christ requires me to love everyone, but I don't have to like nobody. And that's kind of a, (laughs) that's a cheeky way to look at things, but I was actually quite serious. And yet I ended up gaining three partners. We did a lot of traveling. We did a lot of interviews and a lot of conversations and a lot of seminars speaking in front of hundreds and even thousands of people. And when I traveled across the country, I spent a lot of time in Massachusetts and Boston. That place ended up winning my heart. I love the people and the personalities there because I was born in California where everyone said what they meant. And then I moved to another state where nobody said what they meant. And then I started working and traveling to Massachusetts and everyone said what they meant in my face. And I loved it. I loved the people. I loved the situations. I actually loved uh, riding in the subway so that I can meet total strangers and talk to, you know, skinheads and spike heads and people covered in tattoos with gauge earrings and you name it. And what I learned was when I sat down and I asked somebody, What's your story? And I literally would ask them, what's your story? A lot of them would look at me and say, what do you mean? What's my story? I said, what is your story? How did you go through life? What decisions have you made or situations you've been in to bring you to this point right here, right now, where you and I are sitting down and having a conversation together? I'd like to know about you. And then I'd give them five to 10 minutes and listen to their story. 
Do you know what happened every single time without exception? I learned that no matter what the surface of how this individual looked to me, they were completely different than what I had expected. The other part of this, which is more important, is that if I had been in their shoes and had to come up against the challenges that they just described to me or made the decisions that they made to get where they are right now, I am almost confident that I would have been far worse off than they are right now. And that created a huge amount of empathy from me towards other individuals. So just a point on that. Fiction allows us to learn life lessons and empathy. The other thing is that fiction gives us a release. It allows me to live vicariously through characters. You know, it's a therapeutic way to see others overcome trials and tribulations. I remember there was a knock on my door one day, and I opened the front door, and my son-in-law, who's a truck driver, just giant of a man and just a great big teddy bear, and he looked pissed. I mean, really, I'd never seen him that way, and I had been having a horrible day. And he looked at me and says, Dad... You want to go see a violent movie? I was like, I'm having a crap of a day. Yeah, I do. He says, good, I'm buying, get in the truck. And we went and saw a movie, and I recommend this movie. Anyone who wants to live vicariously through a protagonist and all the evil people in the movie get their just rewards, even a a antagonist who changed their life and repented, Everyone gets what they deserved, and there were zero casualties of innocent. Um, Go look up the movie Faster with Dwayne Johnson. That's the movie that I recommend. Fiction movies provide a thrill in a safe environment. You know, I like mysteries. I like suspense books and thrillers. I like them mixed a lot of the time with comedy. But what's great is, even if something's a little bit spooky and a little bit edgy, and not knowing what's going to happen next, this excitement to try to figure out what's going to happen, a gumshoe, you know, uh, you know, reading a Stephen King novel or something like that, you can, you can enjoy these stories in the thrill of your own home, in the safety of your own home, and you don't know what's going to happen next. I love being able to draw out a storyline like that. Getting people like in Demoni Van Keel or in Bloodsticks is what I'm writing right now on Life of Fiction. Being able to create that environment that gets you to wonder. I mean, really, truly wonder. The next thing, and I think this is number nine, is it showed me how storytelling could be accomplished. Because... Different authors tell stories in different ways. There's a really huge difference between um, The Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy and any of the Discworld books. So, like Tiffany Aching, you know, of We Freemen, which is one of my favorite books. If you really want to laugh out loud, um, read We Freemen by Terry Pratchett. It allowed me to to see the different artistic expressions and the methods that people use to tell stories. It's different in books. It's different in, in audiobooks, the way that people use their voices, how they use you know, inflection. And it's different also in movies with visuals. So 
The last thing is it opened the door to the social connections. It allowed me to connect with other people because all of a sudden I had a common ground because I had read the same book. I joined, uh, when I was a kid, I joined a book club through the local library. It allowed me to meet other people with the same type of interests. Oftentimes, I was able to meet other people with similar points of view. That was always interesting. So these things, these things all work together to spark my interest in writing fiction. And this was when I noticed, how did these books make me feel? I mean, I sat down and realized I enjoy the experience of reading Lord of the Rings. I enjoy, love the experience of the Dragonlance series. That I would always point out as an entry level if you're trying to introduce yourself to fiction, especially to fantasy. Go read the Dragonlance series by Margaret Wise and Tracy Hickman. But I started watching how it made other people feel. And I saw that fiction wasn't a luxury, but a necessity for many people because fiction helped people function in their lives that were becoming overwhelming. I had to think back during the Great Depression. I did a little bit of research and realized that during the Great Depression, movies thrived because people wanted to escape the the monotony, the depression, the hard times, and movies were so popular. But guess what? The second thing right after movies were, because it was so much cheaper, was buying a book, a fiction book. So books sold. It's like, wow, wait a minute. Does that mean that fiction writing is a a Great Depression proof or recession proof business? I think it just might be. Because we need those things. We want those things. And so books were always in demand and it helped people escape and cope. And so, you know, at the time when I started writing stories, starting with Wanted Hero the comic book, I was at odds with the world. And much of my existence at that time was really painful. Learning how to deal with financial stresses and strains. I was brand new as a husband and as a father. And I realized, you know, through all the the experiences that I had growing up, I wanted to provide happiness, laughter, and I wanted to provide that kind of an escape for others. So that's why I am where I am. And now you know. So what are some of your favorite fictional stories? Is there a story, whether from books or movies, that's profoundly affected your life? And what are you reading right now? Do you still read just for fun? Ask yourself, why do we love fiction so much? I gave you my reasons. Now, what are yours? Hey, thanks for listening, and I'd like to encourage you to come to lifeoffiction.com and sign up for the free newsletter. You'll get this podcast and the other articles that I write each week directly in your inbox. Thanks again for listening, and remember, you are more than you think you are. We'll see you next time.